everybody, I'm Robert, and this is Figure of Speech, a podcast dedicated to the impact of forensics on everyday lives. Episode one, David Hale. David, welcome in. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very Dave much. Dave is a speech professor at East Los Angeles College. He uh, has also competed in high school for four years. He competed in uh, college for four years. Dave, uh, you and I go a long way back. We've been doing forensics for a long time. And I figured we'd kick off the podcast with you because you and I have so many great stories to, uh, to share and talk about with forensics. And uh, you'd be someone that would uh, hold my hand as we start this new podcast. I'm and more than happy to. And also have some really fun things to, to talk about and discuss. So uh, what I want to do, first of all, is I just want to talk to you about, uh, I, want, I want to begin by asking you about when you got involved in forensics. So how did you get involved? What's the first time you ever saw a, a forensic speech? How did it all start for you? So for myself, uh, there were a couple things happening. Uh, I had just moved to Tennessee from Arizona. Uh, as you know, I'm a product of, or my parents were, were divorced. Uh, but yeah, so divorce, uh, went to live with my dad in Tennessee. Uh, I had always wanted to be involved in theater and had done that a little bit uh, prior to, to going into high school. But when I ended up in Tennessee, uh, I was looking for activities new to the school and my stepsister uh, was already involved in forensics um, through theater. And so she started to tell me about it. Uh, and then beyond that, just trying to you know be involved in things, I was also trying to make friends. And in my freshman year, I'd made a couple of friends, but was, was moving in and, and finding new people to hang out with. And with that, I started to, to hang out with, with Sarah, my stepsister's uh, friends. And so that's how we met. Right. Uh, Over a game of Mortal Kombat. Correct. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, we, we were having fun. I think that was the other part of it yeah. for me in forensics was just, again, here was a group of people more in line with what I was interested in. And yeah, I just sort of found my, my group to hang out with. Uh, beyond that, I, I didn't really know anything about, about speech and debate. I just I really, I was, I was one of those people, like a lot of people when they're introduced to speech and debate, oh, this is, this is theater, right? And so that's, that's what I thought I was yeah, I think in, in the early days when we were doing it in high school, we actually called them acting competitions. We didn't even call Correct. them speech competitions. Yeah. We, yeah. we, for all intents and purposes, thought of them as acting. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know, I feel like a lot of uh, theater people are really drawn towards speech because of that, that oh, parallel. For sure, for sure. And, and uh, I would say in a lot of high schools, or at least it wasn't when we were, were competing. But again, I, I feel like this is a lot of ways. It is just housed under theater. Mm -hmm. If not, it's under the, the English department usually. But yeah, uh, again, it was for us, it was a theater class that you could take. Do you remember the first speech that you ever saw? Hmm. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't recall. The, What's the, the earliest speech that you do recall? I, yeah, the thing that I recall the most was I, I knew I wanted to get into the activity and my stepsister was actually willing to, to do a, a duo with me. Oh. And so we found one of those. Was uh, it a kissing duo? It, it was not. <laughs> it, it was not. Uh, and then got on a duet. Uh so, yeah, we found one of those uh, screen books where, you know, like, you know, 10 minute scenes. Right. With, and so we, we did one of those. Uh, it was towards the end of the, the season. Scenes I Scenes for together. two people, man yeah. and woman. Uh, and in, in more than anything, I remember about that, uh, about that um, getting into forensics was, uh, sure, I wanted to, again, just, you know, be involved in theater. But more than anything, I wanted to go to the, the Gatlinburg 
tournament. Mm. Uh, Gatlinburg was... That was hosted by Carson Newman College. Correct. Right. And so, yeah, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, it's this area of Tennessee where, yeah, there's just a bunch of fun stuff to get into, especially if you're a kid. It's like a Ripley's Museum, that kind of thing, haunted houses, etc. So you just wanted a free trip to Gatlinburg? I, re- I really did. I really did. <laughs> I, I knew if I, I put up this duo, I, I could. But with the duo... What was it about? Oh, God. It was one of those, like... Uh, you know, business professional relationship kind of thing without kissing. <laughs> uh, I, I really, actually, I, I cannot remember what, what scene it was. I, again, I did not care about the, the scene more than anything it was like, you, so wait, you tell me if I memorize this, I can go on this trip. Okay. I, I'll do it. But, but anything then, for Ripley. Yeah. But, but then quickly I did start to find the, the events that I want. The other thing that I remember about that, that my, my first, uh, first year of, of competing again, it was sort of the back end of the season. And, and so I was, I was still trying to really get into the group as, as best as possible, but I, I found myself clicking fairly quick and ADS was, uh, I, yeah, we called it ADS back then, but it was also speech to entertain. I think mm-hmm. in a couple of competitions, but anyway, that was the next thing that, you know, bl- blew me away. It was like, hold on a second. Not only can I do theater, but, but I'm always trying to tell jokes and stuff. You mean I can do that in a speech? Like, all right, I, I want to do this. You can try to tell jokes. <laughs> yeah. I I like that first ADS. I'll, I'll still stand by it. What was it? It was uh, how Gilligan from Gilligan's Island was actually the mastermind of the island. And the whole, the whole yeah, speech was just basically like a rundown of how so many times they could have gotten off the island and all he wants to do is just keep people on the island. Yeah, that's so a really funny premise. Just, yeah. it, it worked out well for, for high school. For high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think that would win AFA uh, at, at college? <laughs> do, um, would you say that that was your breakthrough moment? Uh, as kind of turning the corner from being just someone who is casually interested in just uh, someone who is really dedicated? Or you also did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And that was... Well, the fo- the following year was that the following year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, here's what it was for me. Um, I, you know, I see this as a, a a coach. When you have a student, and within those first couple of competitions, they they get a win. I mean, it may not be first place, but a, they get what they think is a win, or mm-hmm. feel like is a win, or feels like a reward. Uh, that's when they're hooked, and that's what it was for me because I I was able to take. The, the first time I took that piece out to a competition was our, our state qualifier. And it, it qualified to, to state. Mm. And I, I, there were a lot of people on the team who had been working on things for the whole season and didn't have them qual at state. But I, but I did qual. Now, I was, I was also in one of, I mean, I think at ADS was one of those events where there were four people right. entered and I yeah. took third. You know, but... But it qualified. Yeah. And, and again, that was, that was for me... A confidence builder, and so that that really hooked me in. Okay, so that, that was my thought on it. So, you, would you say that that ADS is what hooked you? And then, I, I guess, well, like I'm, I'm using that word breakthrough as like uh, going from, because I feel like some people do get hooked, but they're not having a breakthrough moment. What was your breakthrough piece? Would you say one flew over the cuckoo's nest, or you and I did a duo of Walter Mitty? Uh, like, w- at what point do you feel like you went from just being a a yeah. regular performer into yeah, yeah. an exceptional performer. Yeah. So, okay. The, I, I do think that that ADS uh, was part of it as well. What the ADS did in terms of building confidence with the group 
and I think this is important as well, not just with speech, but with the group. The friend group that was participating. Correct. Okay. Yeah. That was one of those ones where when I did run it for a couple of practices, it, was it the most memorable speech? Would people from that group remember it now? Probably mm. not. But at least at that point, people were laughing. Right. And I thought to myself, again, all right, this is a group. You're making that everybody I, laugh. Yeah. They, they get my humor. This could be something I stick with. So that, you, wasn't, that was another breakthrough for me in terms of wanting to stick with uh, it. But the, the thing for me in terms of... A next level breakthrough was the duo. I, with the duo, when I needed, once once I got into the group, and again, I think this is an experience that a lot of people have within forensics, especially if you run with a big team or mm -hmm. a team that's you know taking home lots of trophies. Uh, you can follow people or you can take the lead. Mm -hmm. and, and the duo allowed me to start to feel comfortable in taking a lead with what I wanted to do right. rather than just trying to mirror what other people were, were doing. Cause we did, we, we had that conversation. I, I, at that point, our friendship developed and within the group dynamic, sure. I think people at that point were frankly annoyed with us and rightfully so. <laughs> but for us, we were having fun with it. Yeah. And so, well, yeah. and that was infectious, I think to that mm -hmm. piece. And also you, people did start to imitate us and we became leaders in that sense. You know, people would be like, Oh, that dude is doing well. We got to do something like that. Yeah. And we could see people that would be doing more dramatic duos. And then, you know, once we'd perform with them, they'd either try to funny up their, their dramatic piece or just find a whole new, you know, funny piece to try to compete. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, if, in, in the world of, of speech and debate, I think if, if trophies are your thing, yeah, you, you have to have that kind of breakthrough where you feel comfortable enough Making your own choices. Mm. But I, I was glad that, yeah, I had it early enough at that point in, in high school when I was starting off. Because, yeah, again, I, I came in at the end of a season and then the very start of my next season, really the my first true season of forensics. This would have been, what, your junior year? Correct. But even again, it, it really was almost like thinking of it, junior year of high school, but almost thinking of it like my first year of competitive forensics. That first year, I went to one tournament where we mm. didn't take a first place. Again, that was yeah. a, a real quick move into to my or a quick shift in my. Oh no! I remember this tournament very distinctly because we went one one seven at yeah. that tournament, yeah. and I remember looking at the ballot later on. There were only like five people, five duo teams in the room, yeah. and the seven looked like a one. And I'm going, <laughs> "What the f is going on?" I remember being furious about it. I'm sure that that's why we didn't break one one seven. Who knows? Um, so take me through a little bit of your senior year and then I want to get to, to your college experiences. So, uh, tell me about your senior year in high school. You went to nationals, went to, at the time it was, uh, NFL, uh, National Forensics Correct. League. Uh, they since changed the name to NSDA. Yeah. So tell me about that experience and, and how you got there and what that was like. You were doing another duo with Brad Lund, right? Correct. Well, the, the thing that I think, um, Probably needs a little bit of explanation, especially depending on who's listening to the to the podcast. You know, if you if you're in high school now, this might be might sound odd to you, but back when we competed, you know, the NFL was popular, and there were, were a lot of states who went to NFL or sent students, but that that organization hadn't is is not where it's at now. I mean, right. there are a lot of people back then that attended NFL, but where it's at now is almost like tenfold, twentyfold. Um, and so in the state of Tennessee, we had a qualifier for NFL 
But again, the the top schools weren't going to it. It was more about the state tournament. That's where right. you, you really showed how good you were as a, a team. Uh, again, that's a, the way it was in, in Tennessee at the time. And as I recall, it was a qualifier for the whole state, right? Correct. Wasn't, Correct. Don't they break it down by smaller districts by this point? They do. I mean, that seems really brutal to just be like, here's a state tournament. That's what you got to win. And it was basically first and second place, right? Correct. You you had, it was a, a two-drop system, which is kind of a system that it is somewhat similar to the system that they use now for, for qualifiers. Uh, but yeah, back then, it, it, for a whole state, it would have been, uh, I would say it was brutal. But we, we decided that year uh, that we did want to go to NFL um, or to the, to the national tournament. And so we did. We went to district qualifier. We we ran that year. I ran a piece uh, that was out of that same uh, duo intro, you know, scenes book. <laughs> you weren't digging too hard for literature, huh? Uh, no. But here's the thing about it. Back then, here's another difference between uh, then and now. Back then, you could get away with all sorts of of script changes. Uh, it, there really was no um, solid, you know, check verification, yeah, standards in, in place. And so we we hacked that script. It was it was us doing a bunch of goofy high school things, mm. and you know, people appreciating it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's you guys, as I recall, it was kind of how you performed the piece it was there was oh, a lot yeah. of interpretation and in, we, we did we you had a slow motion exactly, sequence and, exactly and, and had a lot of fun with uh you know the the lines that were written were taken very liberally yeah yeah the the uh, all the uh sounds and stuff like that that people do now blocking all that kind of stuff but when we were competing that's when things were, were really starting to take off on in that direction and so we we were a part of that my apologies <laughs> well take us into college so how did you get involved in college because you did it uh, in college for four years as well. Yeah. So, well, a couple things about college. One, I wasn't ready for college when I went off to college, uh, as you know, but our audience doesn't know. I, I had started off college and going for film studies. Uh, I wanted to get in production, but more than anything, my parents said go to college. And so I, I went to college, but I, I, I followed Robert because he was my best friend and I, I wanted to go hang out with my friends and some new friends. <laughs> so, when we were at I'm Southern, glad you did. Yeah, I, I'm glad I, I, I went as well. <laughs> when when we were at Southern Illinois University, they had a team at the time. Yeah, they had one was, of the top debate teams. Yeah, but they didn't want IEs, and we even talked to them about it. And I don't even remember talking to them we about did. it. We did. We, we, we briefly spoke with them about it, and the response we got was more of a, if you want to do it, great. But. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, yeah as I recall from, us being more into film anyway me anyway i yeah. know i was and i was kind of like i remember at the gatlinburg tournament seeing the first college speech example like somebody they brought us in and said here's someone in college so you can do this in college yeah. and we watched this duo and i remember being thoroughly unimpressed and going <laughs> this is bullshit man i don't fucking yeah. do this, this yeah. is lame uh, high school's a lot better so i i remember I vaguely doing something with SIU and then being like, ah, I, don't, I don't care about this. We, we also came from an environment where people were constantly coming to us to try and have things put together. Yeah. And so going to another environment where sort of like, oh, okay, you, you do it, that, that wasn't going to work for us. Yeah. I, mean, we, we, I think we wanted people to be more attentive to us. Um, so, yeah, uh, that 
that's where I was at with, with college right out of high school. But really getting back into forensics, what it was, was I failed out of uh, Southern Illinois University. So they, they kicked me out and I was, I was trying to get back in. Did they kick you out? They did. For low grades or they what? Did. Was, yeah. Yeah. Back to back semesters of, of uh, below 2.0. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking about trying to get back in at the same time I was working a full-time job. We had talked, I was still thinking about film. And so I just said, Hey, I'm going to, to California to, to get into it. And so I did, and we worked in the entertainment industry, right. but then quickly within a couple of years, I found myself not wanting to do anymore and I got laid off and that's when I decided to go back to college I wanted to go back for hotel restaurant management I've been working a lot in the the service industry and that coincided at the same time I was going back to college and my parents because I had kind of pulled a a fast one and and basically (laughs) never graduated from SIU I still missed like a handful of classes, one of which was a speech class. Now, I'm, I'm sure this is going to come up in, in future episodes, how you extended out your uh, your forensics <laughs> career at Glendale Community yeah. College. If you want to know why in the AFA bylaws it says once you've atri- achieved a, an AAT degree or associate's <laughs> degree, uh, you can no longer compete at a, an institution, you, you can thank Robert Cannon. That's for me. That. <laughs> the Robert Cannon rule. Yep, yep. So... Glendale Community College. Uh, I ended up there. I was going for hotel restaurant management. I was just going to do an, an AAT degree or achieve an AAT degree and and just get into the, the restaurant business. When we were there, uh, you had come up to me and said that you were taking a speech class. Mm-hmm. I was shocked that you still hadn't taken a speech class. <laughs> uh, I was even more shocked that they were trying, trying to start up a, a speech team. And yeah. that's when we met... Two individuals, uh, Gene and Ira, uh, these were a couple instructors over at uh, Glendale Community College. And uh, yeah, they said, hey, go for it. Do, do what you want. And and for me, what it was coming out of the entertainment industry where, where so many people had said, no, no, no. Uh, here, you know, Here's this idea that I thought out. I think it's new. I think it's original. Let, let's do this. No, you can't do that. Uh, MTV isn't doing that right now. Right. So we can't do it. Like, I, I, I want creative control. And sure. all of a sudden, here's an opportunity where I can I can put some stuff together and and nobody's going to tell me now. It's like micro control, right? Oh yeah, on a small scale. Yeah, yeah. And that that to me just screamed, "This is what you you need in your life right now." Because again, for for me, it was going for for hotel restaurant management, and that's as fun as that can be. It's also stressful, and it's also not the most creative mm. endeavor. And here again was something where it's like, "Hey, you can still get that." creative thing in your life Mm -hmm. uh and again the environment at that point sounded really good to me Mm -hmm. uh again it's like you you do what you want you organize it we'll pay for it like all right well i guess i'll do some travel Mm -hmm. then uh so yeah we we started to run the same duo that we ran in uh, high school and we won (laughs) state with i love hey we uh you know we made a name for this duo oh we'll just do it again yeah do the exact same duo it's probably something we're gonna have to talk about a couple times and it's probably how uh the organizing body afa will send or the reason why they'll send me an email asking for my my trophies back (laughs) um yeah i I have to admit a couple things the uh i I ran a duo from high school (laughs) with with a long period of time in between yeah and, and to be absolutely clear yes we we wrote a, a whole bunch of stuff in our our duo <laughs> yeah. so the duo was based on uh it was walter mitty um it was the secret life of walter mitty by james thurber but it really was by james thurber and you and i yeah. we just uh basically slaughtered the the script and made all sorts of our own little tweaks and 
references to MacGyver and I uh, just no. totally updated. We, we, here's the, the real truth of the matter expanding on, on it. What we did was we watched a NFL HI right. of Walter Mitty. The copy, I had gone to nationals no. and video recorded it and go ahead. The, the copy was so bad because right. he was sitting in the back of a huge auditorium that you could maybe hear uh, out of a sentence, you know, like you know, three or four words, and so you just had to like kind of fill in the the, the blanks or the gaps. Uh, but yeah, so we, and I think we just went. Ah, it's probably something like this. We'll just make this work. Exactly. Yeah. But that was the yeah. We we knew that was something that was solid that we could immediately uh, put together real quick. And so we were ripping off. Not only were we ripping off ourselves from high school. <laughs> yeah. We were ripping off a, a high school HI finalist. Yep. Uh, possibly champion. I don't. Know how, I can't remember how he placed. And we also were ripping off James Thurber and just sticking the middle finger up at all of them. Oh, yeah, pretty much. And by the way, this is what everybody does in the world of, <laughs> of forensics. So if, if this is shocking to you, uh, it, it shouldn't be because, again, this is basically. I think there's a lot of dirty do. pool that goes on. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Again, it's, um, I'm sure, stuff that you'll, you'll cover in future episodes. I think the, uh, it, at the same time, there was a lot of learning that was going on. And I think we, we just didn't know any better. I think no yeah. one really kind of told us. You can't do that. We didn't understand. We, I mean, our coach, no no offense to Gene and Ira, but they didn't know. They were new to the game. Sure. And so we were just doing, well, we did this before. Why can't we just do it again? No one's going to know that we did that piece. Yeah. And and here's the other thing about what was happening for us. And, and I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this podcast will, will share this experience. If you're, wanna, if you're at one of those schools that does not have a lot of money or you're, the administration is not giving you a lot of money, you get caught in the trap of always trying to win trophies. And so year one, for two people who are trying to build a program, our immediate thought was, let's just go with the thing that we know to be extremely successful. Mm-hmm. We won state with this. Mm-hmm. We only dropped one ballot <laughs> the whole time we ever ran this in high school. So why wouldn't it have the same level of, of success? And it did. It yeah. was a strategy that, that paid off. I mean, we made it to, to semifinals that year at, at AFA. Right. So Which we had no business being in. Oh, no, absolutely not. I re- <laughs> Here's what's funny about it now. I remember being mad about that, but now <laughs> looking back, it's like, oh, wow, good. <laughs> How the fuck did we get there? That's the, that's the real question. Because, because here's what it is, and and I, and I think this is an important about that that first year. What, what I loved so much about it was it was it was us having fun with it. Yeah. And and that's exactly how we made it. We shouldn't have made it out of quarterfinals, yeah. but with quarterfinals, as the judge told us, as it, it was laid on the ballot. But I think I think Dwayne even told us in person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody in the audience really loved our performance. Marlon Bates us. gave us a one. That's too. what it, it was. was. Marlon, it was Marlon I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. And he he wrote. It, he was just like, "This is crazy. You guys are having waste way so much fun." And uh, I remember that round distinctly. No, I remember where we were. Um. So after our first year, kind of getting back into the swing of speech competitions, you did a really kind of controversial, I think it was a DI. Uh, No, yeah, it was DI. Mm. Do you remember this DI? Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that a little bit. So what what was the... um, it was... How did that begin? What was the piece? Well, what it was was uh, Terrence McNally next, uh, another piece that was run in high school, uh, not by me, but... No, wait a minute. That's what you did your junior year? Sophomore. Was that sophomore year? Mm-hmm. Was that where you handed out the... Correct. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, that's the one you're thinking of, right? Okay, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was Terrence McNally. It was next. Uh, okay, so 
to give a little bit of background, and this gets us back to that first year of competing at the college level. When we ran the Walter Mitty duo, the first half of the season, everybody told us we shouldn't do this duo. Like all the balance that we got back, we're pretty much, you all are funny, uh, but this is the wrong script for you. We got a ballot back that was basically saying third we would never appreciate what, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so much of us, especially being individuals who were older than most people competing at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause again, this is me coming back to college. So what we talked about, we're, 26 or 7 yeah. something like that. Uh, we're, we're much older than the average uh, competitor. Yeah. So a lot of the ballots I received, a lot of the critique I received in my first year frustrated me and even more so wanted motivated me to just really try and take on some some challenging things. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into the sophomore year, I wanted to I really wanted to make use of of audience interaction. Uh, I was at that point, starting to understand a little bit about the nuance of interpretation, its origins. Uh, in that first year, we didn't really have a lot of coaching with anybody that was grounded in the fundamentals right. of interpretation. At, at the very end, Josh came into the, came to the picture. Yeah. Um, this is Josh Fleming. He's a, a coach over at, at Pasadena City College. Uh, but he ha- was also a solid competitor when he competed. So again, he had that that fundamental knowledge. And so going into my sophomore year, I had a little bit more of an understanding. Sophomore year of competing, I had a little bit more of an understanding about you know why we were doing the things that we were doing. And I, again, I wanted to challenge that. And I thought DI was a good area for it because it is you know pulling from theatrical script or sure. other areas as well. But uh, so yeah, I wanted to have audience interaction. And so I did. I ran Terrence McNally next, which is all about this time in theater. It's a monologue from a person who's on an off Broadway show uh, and somewhat going off script for the show. And so it requires me to move out into the audience. And the thing that was most controversial about that year was just me interacting with the audience. I had at one point where um, I'm supposed to be in the, the face of, of somebody. I almost always made that the, the judge. And I just remember judge, some judges getting really, really furious about that. And there's other times where I'd like, you know, jump on the tables in the room. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I remember walking by uh, one room as I was going to my next round and seeing you on top, like yep. <laughs> standing above the judges they're trying to write seriously exactly. and you screaming at them. Exactly. It was, it was a lot of, like a lot of those uh, shenanigans. Uh, the other thing too, is like a, just like a final round strategy that you and I worked out. There's a, there's a way in that script to uh, walk out of the room and then somewhat like enter back in to, yeah. to finish things out. So that was like sort of my you know, big end uh, to the to the piece, so there's things like that. that you would hand out a copy of the script. Too. Correct. That was another. That. that was another point of frustration with judges. But even then, I, you know, again, I, understanding, having a better understanding at that point of what was going on, I, I really did try to tailor it to the. Again, a lot of the the fundamentals are things that people find a value in in interpretation. So with the the handout. You know, and the, the, the rules are a lot of the rules that we follow for competition. It says, you know, you know, may have a script in the book, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I did. I, I put 
the handouts that I had on a script that was right. one, you know, one side of the page, uh, but the other was uh, the other you know, side like a, had an like image. A, yeah, like a poke, uh, you know, postcard with a, a you know imagery on it. I also did other things with the script. I wanted to play with textuality, so I I would have uh, certain words highlighted or italicized within the script. And if you if you piece those together, you'd actually find a website that you could visit. Mm. So it's things like that that was really trying to to be this imaginative. This was no question the most avant-garde piece I've ever seen and I loved it I, 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 loved I, I ran it. two pieces that like, that year because I couldn't I was having a hard time calling right I, was, sure. I mean we, yeah we can talk about calling in California or that could be a whole other episode for you or something sure. but yeah the uh having a hard time call so I had it was one of those ones where it's like all right you're gonna have to run another DI in order to get this DI to AFA because you think that you know this your mm-hmm. first DI would do well at AFA you just can't call it in the state that you're in so I did. I switched over, and that's when I ran. Oh, what's his name? Ong, and then the piece is. Anyway, it was abstract. It was all over the place. <laughs> and you did qualify. I did. All right. No, that was that was when I, as a competitor, uh, I I always it was always at districts. That's how you qualified. Was last minute at district? Yeah, because I. Because there, there was a couple things going on for for me. One is much as I can politic network at a competition. You know this. I get frustrated yeah. by those conversations. And so I, at a competition, when I competed, I I I wanted to be away from everybody. Yeah. I wanted to be focused on the performance. I, that's what I cared about the most being yeah. able to walk in that room with my, my head in the right place to, to do what I thought was going to be the best performance. I remember when we were competing, a lot of people, when they would meet us, they would find me to be the standoff person and you'd be the very friendly person. And then behind the scenes, I think it was quite the opposite. It was kind of, yeah. I remember you playing angry, like being after tournaments, you'd be like, Oh, just oh like exactly! Screaming! Just oh yeah, so absolutely. angry. And I would do, I would do it at, at postings as well, and, that, and that's because, <laughs> it, well, there was a couple things that went on there with that. But, but the, but going back to you know what we were saying about, you know, the qualification process. What I found is I, I probably could have done more work to to network in politics. Mm-hmm. I think I think it would have had some easier calls if, if I'd been working the judges in, in the way that a lot of mm. competitors do. But the other thing was going back to to my experience with Hollywood because I was so sick and tired of, you know, we can't do it. It needs to be done this way. The pieces that I chose were always going to be pieces where I, I it didn't matter what I was getting back on a ballot. Mm. If if I didn't want to do it, I wasn't going to do it. Mm. If my coaches told me to do it this way and I didn't want to do it, I wasn't going to do it. So yeah, I, that's that's where I was at with with the qualification process. I mean, yeah. my, I think I struggled not only my first, second, but also third and fourth year. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the the rest of your college, and then I want to get into your coaching a little bit, and sure. and how that uh, has perceived things you've learned, and and how has your your previous competitive experience um, impacted that. But let's finish up with college. Like, what was the rest of your college experience like? What were the highlights for you, and and what was, were there any low points that you would want to talk about? I had a a blast with the the time that I had in in college. If if you asked me back then, it was, I was I was finishing up with my senior year. I, I would have definitely grumbled to you. I, I wanted to be in final rounds, and anybody who competed with me at that time knew I wanted to be in a final round. And even more so when things were all said and done. Mm-hmm. I, to this day, I'm still mad. I 
there are pieces I know I beat. Yeah. And and the, your duo the, with Roger that senior year. Yeah, was that's really the, good. the best example. And I and I'm not trying to take away from what was done creatively. But the thing that was frustrating about that year was from people who, who know what happened that year was that was the year the Transformers made it into finals. And and again, I like <laughs> that piece. I think it's creative. I'm not trying to to say that it is not creative. This was Andy Stone was. and Eric Dern from Correct. Arizona State University. Yeah. But but that year we got ballots back that basically said for our duo it had too much tech, too much blocking. Yeah. And that was competing in a round with Transformers. And so I, this goes back to the networking, the politicking. I, I always felt that there were some things I did early in my forensics career that pissed people off. And because of that, I got some of the ballots I did yeah. later on in my career. You've had some of those ballots. Yeah. Like, here's, here's a good example of this. Uh, if you are somebody who, who is listening to this and you've been to a national tournament, you've been to that, that award ceremony, you're there in a suit. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's no question we didn't about know this. that we didn't know this because when we can be in high school things were way different and so we showed up to the AFA. college yeah, yeah yeah the afa nationals award ceremony in you know t-shirts jeans that kind of thing i even wore a shirt that said i just came here to drink beer and party yeah and so that's what we <laughs> During were the award ceremony. yeah and so that's and we were up on stage yeah uh, larry i think we we literally uh, not uh, we scared larry i i know we scared larry star yeah. when we jumped up there because we had won first place in, in the community college division. Yeah. So yeah, there were, there were people who I think thought I did not respect the activity. I just wish that they had known why I approached the things the way that I did. And so again, go back to my college career. So much of it was, I love what I'm doing here. I love that this is a creative outlet, uh, but I'm also somebody who's extremely competitive mm -hmm. and, and, a lot of times, again, I felt like I was getting feedback that was, here's sort of like this standard, this norm that we have, and, and you should be doing this, and if you did it, you'd be more competitive, and that's not what I wanted to hear. Mm. If, you, if you're telling me what you found, what you watched was entertaining, it was striking to you, you found it to be you know, something that, that you know, connected with you, then great. Give me, give me the ranking like I deserve. Mm. Uh, but yeah, like we were talking about some of my, some of my attitude of, of forensics was one of a great frustration. When, when I did forensics, especially in this first couple of years, what, what I wish, if, if somebody had something against me for the way I acted, what I wish they knew about me was that I was working full time I was managing a bar at that time. And so my weekends were Friday night. I would go to the bar. I would work till, you know, four, six in the morning. Yeah, late. Yeah. So immediately come home, take a shower, head off to the forensics tournament, give it everything I have, yeah. and then get shenanigan ballots back. Where it's like, this isn't really a, tr yeah. a true assessment of the round. Basically, and then like, I, I just want to, I want to comment. That is no exaggeration. I, I literally remember you coming home. You might get an hour or two of sleep. I, I remember just being amazed. Like, how, huh. the, how the hell are you operating? 
No. And you're like, I just, we got to do it. No. This is what you got to do. No. And so all day Saturday, I would compete. Then Saturday, right after the competition, go right back to the bar <laughs> and manage yeah. it till four in the morning, get back up on Sunday and do the whole thing and, and hope that I would get some, some quals out of it. And so, yeah, so much of my, my angst and, in forensics, my, my frustration it was because of, of that. Uh, and it's also why I was standoffish with people. And, and yeah, I wish, I wish that I had... I don't think you were standoffish. Were, I think most people liked you. I, I would say that, but I think there are people that... I think these... If you were a competitor, you probably liked me. But if you were a judge, there were probably reasons why you didn't like that me. That might be true. I mean, to this day, I still go to AFA and I'll sit around with somebody who judged me from that time period and they won't talk to me. And I won't talk to them. And it's because we know that so we always hated weird. each Isn't other weird? at the time. No. Yeah. Um, I remember later on getting a ballot. You and I went to some tournament. I can't remember what it was, but we had like kicked off our shoes before the award ceremony. Mm-hmm. And I remember my senior year, we did that our freshman year. And my senior year, I got a ballot that said... Uh, I've been waiting four years to see you in a round so I yeah. could tell you how rude you are and disrespectful of this activity yeah. and keep your shoes on during the awards ceremony or something like that. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? But people just hold this weird grudge for such a long period of time. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's not, it, it's something that we, we happened in our time, but it's, it's even happening now. Yeah. And there's tons of, of ballot discussions. And I think, yeah, that's some of what's going on. But yeah, for, for me in college, again, there's, there's that aspect of it it was frustrating but overall i i had a wonderful experience with it 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 was something i needed and even more so i realized you can make a career out of it yeah well let's talk about this is something you can do as a job job. yeah and you did so (laughs) you are now uh you know you're now coaching at east los angeles college correct so Talk, walk me through that. I mean, obviously, you you went, you got a master's at uh, Cal State LA. Mm-hmm. You wound up going to East Los Angeles College, and how has it been on the coaching side of things? Like, what what's different, and what experiences have you learned and and drawn um, from your previous experiences to apply to the coaching level? Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, a couple of things about it. I I, I love coaching uh, to. To be specific, to be clear, at this point, I coach, but really, I'm I'm the director of forensics. We actually don't have this. We have this title at at East Los Angeles College, but we've we've shifted some things. Uh, so basically, now I'm kind of like the logistics officer. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I don't I don't coach as much as I used to, but I'm I really enjoyed my my time coaching. It coaching was the thing that also got me into teaching. I, I like. I like working with people. I like seeing their growth. And I also, also reflecting upon my experiences, the frustrations I had, if if I can change those things or if I can have students not go through that, then I'm I'm happy to to do it. I I hope you don't mind me saying it, but I think part of your appeal, like I see, I've worked with some of your students before and I see the way that they look at you. And I think they kind of respect you because you were not a straight A student, because you were someone that had a little bit of trouble academically. And they're going, oh, I I suffer from that too. And you speak this kind of language and this this way of kind of cutting through all the, the BS and being able to get down to the root of what the issue is. And you talk to them in a way that is really pretty appealing. I, I think that's really admirable. I think that's a weird thing that you've picked up along the way, just to be able to communicate on the street level. Yeah, I, t- I try to break down the formality of, of institutions, especially when I'm in, in charge of a, a group. I, 
we, <laughs> I think this is a, a thing that I, I picked up from, from Tennessee. Um, I think sometimes in, in the South, we take on this attitude of, of, yeah, you know, like this institutional issue and, and I, let, let's not be too stiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I think a lot of that is reflected in, in my approach to the, the classroom as well as what I do in, in, you know, our, our squad room. Uh, but yeah, with, with coaching, what I found is I, I, I like working with the student who has no business being in the final round. <laughs> <laughs> they, I know what you mean. And getting them into that final round is so rewarding. Because that's, that's, what, that's what coaching is about. And for me, going back to what I said about competitiveness, yeah. like I want the creativity, and I know I can eventually get there, but the, the challenge now for me, the thing that I get the most excited about, whereas before it used to be, let me put together something creatively myself. Mm-hmm. Now what I feel reward in is, yeah, that student's like, I know you really want this. <laughs> Uh, you don't have the training yet. Yeah. And especially at this point now in forensics where you have students who started doing this in middle school. And if they, they haven't been doing speech and debate since middle school, they've probably been doing theater and a bunch of other things. A lot of them are starting in elementary school. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, for a lot of the students who start off in, in college, it's like, again, you're missing a lot of training that's necessary. Yeah. I, mean, I, I had so much success because of what we did in theater right. in addition to speech and debate. Um, so yeah, I really, really like working with those students. I really find it to, to be rewarding. You found a good niche in debate as well. And debate was mm-hmm. not something that we had really done in high school or in, in our college experience. Yeah. Um, so walk me through a little bit of that. Like, well, here, here's what it is in, and this applies to both speech and debate. And, and if you're a coach listening to this, I think it's, really important a lot of what i see with coaching when when people are done with with their time is they move into their masters and it's it's i know everything like i was competing i would have done it this way you do it this way and and that will certainly work i think you can have success with that but i think what i found and this was an experience with cal State delay because we just didn't have a huge talent pool to to work with i had maybe like one or two students who were just really really solid and then everybody else were those competitors were like all right we we have a lot of work here yeah um this we is, call some of them butterflies people that would come and land and then maybe yeah. leave for a while and yeah. come back I'm like this is your first year so we, sure. we have some work to do yeah um so yeah with, with that experience Sorry, no, I lost a track of where I was going with that. The we were butter- talking about debate. I, I followed that, that butterfly out. <laughs> oh, so with with Cal State Delay, the thing that I realized quickly was I needed to train myself. And I think huh. that is really important for anybody who's getting into coaching. I, if, if you've been doing this for 20 years, you probably should abide by this principle. Huh. You still have stuff to, to learn. And, and argumentation, debate was my weakest point or my, my weakest area. And so when I began my master's, I said, you know what? I'm going to take the time to learn this. I was lucky because uh, Jeff Brodak Silva was the, the director of forensics there, and, and he had a lot of success right. as, as a competitor. So, yeah, I, I found a mentor, and, and I, I stayed humble, and I, I taught myself how to do, do something. I, I asked Jeff one time, I said, so what do you think made you successful? Like, how did you win nationals? And he goes, well, I think the 80 hours a week prep probably did something. <laughs> <laughs> 
probably <laughs> 80 hours this, a week. Je- Jeff has one of my fr- favorite uh, favorite forensics stories about like how much time you can you can put into this. He he swears by this. I believe him. I, I don't know if everybody believes him. I believe him. He once told me that for debate prep, he would do his prep while he was awake, but he would also consciously debate in his sleep. He swears, he swears that he would have active debates in his dreams about the topics that he knew were going to come up. And that's how he prepped himself. I believe that because I know, I mean, the dreams before nationals, when you're really, I mean, the dreams didn't stop for me for probably about six months after nationals. Like you still have these dreams about being late for finals or something like that (laughs) and and, and missing around and all of those kinds of things. Oh, for sure. The nightmare. For sure. And occasionally still I'll have some of those dreams that will just pop back up. So yeah, I believe it. I mean, that's, you are single, singular in your focus. And so I think that's got to permeate into your dreams too. It'd be cool. I got to have Jeff on here and talk about that. Well, again, I, I, I believe him 100% and he's got some great stories as well. But what we were saying about the, about coaching and, and, you know, debate argumentation, but, but again, my, my general approach, and I, I think this is why I have had the the success that I've had is again, it's, it's about being humble and recognizing that as much as you know, you, you don't know. Mm. I, here's another thing. Like, okay. So we talked about debate on the speech side. Prose was the event that I was struggled with. Mm. I, 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 qualified. I think everybody does. Yeah, I, I, I qualified, but at the same time, did I, did I get the scores that I wanted? No. So the first thing I did was not focus on duo, which I'd done really well in when I competed, but instead I was like, I, I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. I'm going to figure this out. And really what it was when I figured out quickly, it was sources. It's like, yeah. this prose has been run because everybody has access to this magazine sure. or this online source. So it, 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 again, it's it's always trying to recognize the areas that you're weak in. And if you can do that, I, I think you really will be strong. The other advice. thing is, is going back to the humbleness, I, I hear a lot of coaches like, oh, I, I know I'm a good coach because this student did this. Like, I, that student was supposed to do that. If, if they didn't make it into a final round, then I would think you're an idiot mm. or you, you're not a good coach. But again, that, that student was like, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> like I had that student in my class and they were close to failing. And yet now they've made it into a final round at AFA. How did that happen? If, if they were working with you as a coach, like, okay, they, they did some work, but also the coach had to be doing something yeah. there. Um, so yeah, again, I think that's a, a true test. Don't, I don't... think, you know, you're talking about just kind of finding sources. That's something pros to me has always been a difficult event to crack because I feel like even the most experienced competitors, it's always a grab bag. It, it may be like with pros, especially your DI is pretty solid. Your poetry is pretty solid. But with pros, it's like, I, I don't know if I'm going to break or not. It just depends on what everybody else does. Yeah. And I remember when you were in grad school, you just started churning out some really great research of literature. I remember even being because I, I was coaching middle school at the time. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I got a cool uh, you know piece for you. I'm like, what, where did you get this? This is awesome. You found some really cool uh yeah, I, the thing with literature for me, uh, students ask this uh, question to me a lot, like, you know, how do you go about it? I, the other thing that I've learned about coaching is you really do got to listen to the literature. Mm-hmm. I think that's so much because we're, we get very, we, we spend a lot of time thinking about the performance. Um, I think that kind of kind of skews our, our perception of what we're seeing sometimes. Sure. And as best as possible, I really try to think about some of those event descriptions. I... I they have been tailored for the purposes of speech and debate. Uh, 
in connection to oral interpretation outside of that you know world of speech and debate, putting mm-hmm. it into performance studies. But even then, I, I think a lot of the again the the way that they're defining things or, or labeling out the the events or describing them. Uh, I think if you use that, you're in a good place. Prose description. Like I, I can easily, I can easily pick apart or, or pick or identify a moth piece versus something that, you know, somebody <laughs> really, you know, dug into a magazine and, sure. and found something because the moth is, I was walking down the street, but that, but that, that story that they really looked into, they're, they're telling me what that street looks like. Yeah. Who's, you know, who's walking down the streets, the sounds that, that to me is, is prose. more descriptive. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, and again, that's, that's something that's discussed within that, that description. So, so what would you say is a coach getting back to the coaching element? Mm-hmm. What would you say is a coach has been your crowning achievement? It would be uh, outside of uh, a, a tournament. So the, the the level I'm at now, where where I've come to in, in deciding what is a reward to me, what is a value, it's it's students moving forward. I I realize that I I can be competitive. I've with my team, I've won national five years in a row, mm-hmm. and and at this point, competitively speaking, there's just not a lot that I have to to accomplish. But also realizing that trophies are trophies. What I've moved into is realizing what this activity can do to move a student forward. Uh, there are a lot of of issues that we have in forensics. Forensics is highly problematic. At the same time, I do think it's a place where students learn to become professional. That's where I learned to become professional. And, and I would say 90% of the things that I get accomplished, the, the stuff that people walk up to me now and say, you know, hey, good job. I, you were the one person who, who actually did do this thing mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a place of business. It, it came from the things I was taught in, in forensics, uh, showing up, showing up on time, right? mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Uh, and so, yeah, that's why I, I like coaching. It's the biggest reward that I get out of being involved in forensics now. I, I get to work with students, shepherd them, whatever the, the, the term is that you want to use, the phrases that you want to use. But yeah, having students come back to you after they finish up with their, their graduate program or whatever it is. And, and you made an impact in my life. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like you helped to, to facilitate this. Thanks for, thanks for being the, when I, when I didn't have anybody to connect me here with this person, that kind of thing. Thanks for being the person who did it. Yeah. And that's when you hand them a bill and you go, exactly. don't forget to pass yeah. it on. my friend. Exactly. I'll, I'll expect a donation to the team at some point soon. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to kind of wrap this up. And uh, one of the things I want to do in this podcast is kind of in the, in the spirit of Marcel Prost and uh, Bernard Pivot and James Lipton, I've got 10 questions, survey questions that I'd like to ask every guest on this podcast. And, um, uh, Dave, you're guest number one, so I'm going to ask you ten questions about forensics. So the first I have question: These are kind nine of nine sh- answers. <laughs> uh, these are short questions. Uh, I call this section the final round. Here we go. Were you superstitious, and if so, how? Yes, in high school, we would go take a crap before postings. <laughs> Don't stand by postings. Don't wait for postings. You're just going to make yourself miserable. Go take a crap. It'll be the best feeling of your life. <laughs> All right. and, and have somebody to sit next to you. Hold hands with somebody? Sure. Uh, number two, who was the competitor you most admired? 
Okay, I'm going to answer myself. <laughs> no. Um, Besides yourself. Who stands out in your mind as, as being somebody who, uh, I don't know, was a cut above the rest? I, you know, who, it, it's going to be Jasmine. Jasmine, Jasmine McLeod? Yeah. Here's the thing about Jasmine. We we have a really close working relationship. She she calls me grandpa. Um <laughs> It's it's because of what she accomplished in the time that she did, how quickly she did it, the way that she did it, uh, and even then the personal backstory, going back to what I was saying about, yeah, it's it's nice to have competitive success. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the student that I worked with that, that won a national title. Um, but outside of that, again, and just in terms of life, She's now coaching over at Mount San Antonio College, and I feel like so much of of that trajectory was us walking that path to together. Mm. So yeah, that that would be my the first one student that pops into my mind. Okay, number three, what's the most memorable speech you've seen? Hmm. I you know I it's you were always double entered. You never stopped and watched any yeah, speeches. There you go. It, it's in the realm of speech, but it's interp. I, I'm still a big fan of the um, the. Could be uh, a debate as well, by the way. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, no, it'd still be interp. It was the uh, the Christmas card pros that we saw our sophomore year. That was uh, Chris Christinger, right? I think you're right. And uh, he's from Eastern Michigan, I believe. I, th- I think that's right. Yeah. And I was around with uh, Kashif was in there. Eric Colather was in there. I like that the most memorable speech you've come up with, you're like fuzzy on the details. <laughs> uh, well, here's what it was. The, the the piece I remember vividly, it was, again, the a, a Christmas card with this uh, lady's voice on it. and His wife's voice. Correct. Yeah, yeah the, the, main, the narrator is a husband who's lost his wife. And so the one thing he has is a, a memory, because a lot of his memories are starting to fade. Uh, the one thing he has as an attachment to his wife that's passed away is this Christmas card with her voice on it. It was just really well done. And I, here's, here's the thing for me. I always struggled with the, the female voice. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, somebody who can pull off that and, and it sounds right. I was impressed. But the thing I remember about that most is the, I'd kick him in the nits. <laughs> this is the, the like line you kept saying over and over. Cause it's really cantankerous man. Yeah. But yeah. That, that was the one that hit me the most, but I'm, but speech wise, the, the thing for me with uh, speech, what I find most memorable is the stuff that is tearjerker for me. Mm. I'm that kind of person. I'm a people watcher. And so anybody who gives a, you know, tells me a good story like that and it, it feels realistic and it feels like I'm people watching, I'm, I'm hooked. Have you ever cried in a speech? Like while watching a speech? Oh, yeah. I never have. Oh, yeah. I got misty eyed twice. I got really close twice. Once was this past year at AFA. Oh, okay. Or I'm sorry, NFA. Yeah, I got I got no problem dropping tears. Really? Sometimes I, I'll sometimes I'll do it just to in a, in a way, hopefully to to make the speeches better. Like <laughs> you're struggling a little bit. Let me see if I can force a tear here. That's how you see the student. I like, had oh yeah, I really got. I this. only got it twice. Once was uh, NFA semifinals. Somebody just knocked it out of the park. They're pros. Okay. And the other time was I had a fifth grade student who was uh, man. She was it was in rehearsal, 
and she just was not not feeling not feeling it. And me and my assistant coach started drilling down with her and started asking her questions. She was about mm. her poetry was about bullying, yeah. and she started getting into it. And was like, and the next time okay. they come to you, <laughs> and it was like, whoa, man, gotcha. this is getting real. Gotcha. Uh, man, I started to, tearing to, up. To, uh, to clarify, by the way, if uh, you have had me as a, a judge for your round and I was crying, I, I was really feeling your piece. I, I wasn't trying to to help you improve. You're not rubbing onion sauce was, into your eyes or anything. It was, it was that good. Okay. Number four, how do you explain forensics to someone unfamiliar with it? Because usually it's, uh, and people always ask, oh, you do forensics, that must, what's it like, dead bodies or something? Yeah. And how do you explain it? Yeah. I, usually when I say is, think of it like this, if you like to debate or argue, there's something for you to, to do in forensics. Uh, if you like to speak in front of people, if you are conversational with people, then there's probably something for you to do in forensics. And the last one, if you like theater, uh, if you're one of the slam poetry kids, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, well, then there's, there's probably something for you in forensics okay yeah i always try to relate it into those other areas even though you know i think from a a larger view of communication studies it, it, those things don't really fit mm-hmm. uh but yeah just to get to the point do you like to argue <laughs> do you like to talk <laughs> there's a place you for like you theater? here <laughs> I, got, right. I got something for you let's work on scholarships <laughs> number five what was the most unusual inspiration for a speech that you've had These are thinkers, huh? <laughs> the, the road. So my uh, junior year, I, I wanted to take a... High P- school or college? College. Okay. I wanted to take a, a POI to HFO. And I, I, I needed to get something together. I, 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 I was always a two-duo person. Uh, one, my, our, the director of forensics at uh, Cal State Long Beach, Ryan Smith, was, was always pushing me into to do two duos. And, and truthfully, and the reason being because the AFA only allows you to do two per pattern, two events per pattern, and duo, you were allowed to do two, up to two duos yeah. in that pattern. And it, it was. It was it was my wheelhouse. It was the thing where yeah. I like, put me in a duo, he'll probably break out at, at nationals. I'm, before you continue your story, I also would point out of all the people I know of, you would be number one on my list of if I'm doing a duo, I want Dave as my partner. Like, that's definitely uh, the first the first name that comes to mind. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, POI. I, it was one of those events that I really got to do, and so it's like I, I really want to do this. And so I was I was reading a Court McCarthy book, The Road. I was like, I'm, I really like this, and I want to do something with it. But it's like. I, a POI on roads. Everybody kept saying that to me. It's like, I'll make it work. I started looking into it. It's like, there's nothing that you could say about roads. And then the only thing I could think of, cause I, this goes back to just my, my habits as a, a kid. I, I watched everything on television. And one thing I remembered was all the uh, Disney innovations uh-huh. uh, cartoons. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, the road is the future. And I thought, you know what? It'd be really funny is a, a, a two piece program where it was, all this optimistic stuff about like the roads will do this just with, with court McCarthy's the road we saw like everything is gone and we're just walking <laughs> along this road that exists still. So that's what I did. How did it turn out for you? I, I, miserably. I, I, <laughs> did, I did not pick up any ballots, but uh, I, so at the time I picked up a battle ballot from Peter Pober. Mm. He actually liked the idea. Um, mm, that's yeah. an interesting ballot. Didn't know things back then. All right. A uh, number six. What speech has caused? Ha, oh, sorry. I let me rephrase that. Has a speech ever caused you to change? 
you ever had a new worldview after watching this? Yes, yes, in the sense that it's uh, I've changed it's changed my view of what a performance can be or do. Um, I've seen some stuff out there that's been very subtle, and in a lot of things, I like subtlety. Um, but I, I think what I mean by subtlety in terms of, of something I've needed to evolve with in my thinking is needing to have constant blocking in mm. a piece. Uh, coming from the entertainment industry, especially theater and film, you move. Yeah. And here, you're not, they don't want you moving around a bunch. And so, I, I again, that was a hard thing for me to to learn uh and yeah I've, I've definitely seen some speeches that made me think to myself wow just that alone was enough um could i name something specifically i, I think you know i think jeff muscartello some of his stuff is a, a good example of this uh some of those pros that he ran uh-huh. uh, are good examples uh so yeah i i think that's something that in in terms of speech that has has changed me but in, in terms of being a, you know person the activity has changed me but i don't think it's a singular speech that okay. has, has done it number seven what did you do with your rewards tossed them threw them all away uh well i take that back some of them i recycled uh we yeah we've used them for some tournaments uh but the only ones i have now are my afa nfa and i have my nfl uh party party tray that they give you (laughs) the party tray (laughs) they do or at least back it's slightly different now but yeah back when i was competing they basically just you, you received an award but then they would give you a silver platter like not an engraved platter, just a silver platter. Silver platter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it had a little, uh, you know, something on it that came off over I, time. I, no, I think what it was is they expected you to do the engraving. Oh, uh, yeah. I see. Yeah. Pass it along to the competitor. Yep. All right. Number eight. What speech? What speech skill do you still use the most in your day to day life? <laughs> I waited to my senior year to really focus in on this, but impromptu speaking. Really? Oh, yeah. How so? It was the thing I needed to learn the most, too. Yeah. Uh, because I, and this is now how I teach my public speaking course, um, I think a lot of high school trained me to put stuff onto the page. It's all about essay writing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, impromptu was the thing that taught me quickly organize your stuff and start talking. Uh, if you need to revise it later on, you can do that. Uh, but yeah, I needed to learn that that skill set, and it's what I use in my my classroom all the time. But mm. even outside of the classroom, like I, this past three summers, I've been off in in China um, teaching public speaking. But at the same time, I, I teach a couple of things that are drawn from forensics, and yeah, part of it is again just that impromptu style speaking. Sure. But even as an instructor, I've had to use impromptu speaking because mm. you're making adjustments on the fly. Like we were told, hey, this is what it's going to be in terms of you know the classroom and how things will work, and then you get there and it's it's different. So yeah, yeah. that's the thing that I think is is most valuable. Impromptu, yeah. All right, yeah. Number nine, why didn't you quit? What kept you in the game? Because I thought I could win. I I never I never doubted myself. I never doubted that what I was doing. You just was, doubted the judges. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was that confident in myself. I was crazy, but I was that confident in myself. But yeah, that's what it was. I, I was having fun doing it. Again, it was rewarding to me. I had enough people coming up to me saying I enjoy this, and so that's that's why I would have never stopped. All right. And last but not least, and I like ending on this question: What was the best advice you best advice you received about 
giving a speech about speech in general. Breathe. So I, because, because I want things so bad and because I get competitive, I cause problems my, for myself in a final round. Uh, I don't have this issue anymore because competitive is competitiveness is outside of my, my life. Yeah. Well, I guess sometimes I have to walk out of the award ceremony because I get too angsty. But yeah, uh, breathing. You need some angst though. A little bit. Um, but this was something Roger said to me our, our senior year when we were at AFA finals, uh, our semifinals. Uh, I, I just wasn't breathing. And again, because I'm so in my head, I just yeah. needed to breathe. And I think that's that's important, not only before you give a speech, but just in life. <laughs> yeah, when you're, when you're going 100 miles per hour in your head and you're really thinking that shit's falling apart around you, take a moment to breathe. <laughs> that's nice. I like that advice. Uh, breathe. Well, hey, man. This has been great. I love this. A little slice of heaven. We should do this more. Yeah, man. I I'll like talking about on. forensics. Here's the thing. I, I, I don't get to talk about forensics much outside of the world of forensics. Well, that's why we have the podcast. My wife hates it. My wife is also, also involved in forensics. So yeah. we have a no forensics talk rule oh. in, in our household. <laughs> that's a good rule to have. I think so. I don't have that problem because my wife's not into forensics. Yeah, but uh, Go to town. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, Maybe, maybe more forensics couples need to be uh, need to keep that in mind. Put a block on it. Hey, man, thanks a lot for coming in. It's been a, a, a great pleasure. pleasure. My pleasure. All right, we'll have you back sometime soon. We'll talk a little bit more about some of your other experiences that we didn't quite get to. Uh, if people want to reach out, they can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on there is at Forensic Podcast. So until next round, keep talking. And as Dave says, don't forget to breathe. I'm an actress. Oh, you're Because if you're not somebody, must I don't know.